Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff, brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my producer and cactus salesman, Brendan Tuma. It's the Wednesday morning edition of The Kickoff. That means it is time to talk about some rest-of-season rankings, risers, and fallers. But first, get yourself a signed Debo Samuel jersey. All you got to do is leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or CastBox, and then go to fantasypros.com slash kickoff to be entered and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasypros, to be entered. Three extra times. Also, let's talk about TickPick. They're the original no-fee ticket site. They're teaming up with Zip the Buy Now Pay Later service provider to give away five huge season ticket packages for the 2022 NFL season. They're going to do a drawing every single month. They've done two. They've got three more until February, and each package is valued at $3,000. They are season seats to your favorite NFL team. Just go to TickPick.com slash pros. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash pros. All right, let's talk about the big news from yesterday. Matt Nagy confirms that Andy Dalton is going to start on Thanksgiving against the Lions. No surprise here. But there is also a report that he's going to be fired after the game, which he denies. So again, no idea what effect that will have on the Bears offense if it happens. But I'm sure that will make a lot of Bears fans happy, um, even though, of course, we never root for anybody to get fired in any walk of life. Dan Campbell says that Jared Goff is leaning towards being the starting quarterback in Week 12 against the Bears on Thanksgiving. That's a little surprising. I did not think Goff was going to be able to make it back here. But things are trending in that direction. Doesn't really make that much of a difference. The Bears DST is still an excellent start in this one. So you can still go ahead and pick them up if they're available. Connor Hughes of The Athletic reports that Zach Wilson is going to start for the Jets against the Texans. Meanwhile, Joe Flacco and Mike White were placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. No idea whether Wilson would have started this game absent those two developments. But either way, get the kid back in the saddle and see what he can do. And it's a soft landing against Houston. But really, this is just going to be interesting because we need to see what it looks like for the Jets receivers with Wilson under center. Neither Alvin Kamara nor Mark Ingram practiced on Tuesday. Uh, Kamara pretty much expected at this point, and he's not going to be able to go on Thursday almost certainly, but Ingram is a surprise. I don't know what happens if Ingram is out, I guess, Tony Jones, but uh, you know, he's barely been back. So monitor this. Hopefully it was just kind of a rest day, given the fact that I have a quick turnaround and Ingram is such a veteran, but man, if he can't go, I am nervous for what that backfield is going to look like. The Titans waived Adrian Peterson and signed Dontrell Hilliard to their active roster. Uh, Peterson, you know, obviously wasn't producing all that well. It sounds like maybe they'll sign him again later, but this is going to be Deonta Foreman's backfield, hopefully anyway, uh, going forward. Meanwhile, Hilliard came out of nowhere in this most recent game against the Texans. And, you know, it might be just because McNichols was out, but we don't know if McNichols is necessarily going to be able to come back in this game from his concussion, and they have no pass catchers whatsoever. So Hilliard could factor in here. He's not somebody you want to rely on this week, of course, but there's a plausible path for him at least being relevant in the short term. C.D. Lamb remains sidelined with his concussion. We're still in wait-and-see mode, as we are here with Allen Robinson, who remains sidelined with his hamstring issue. He did express... Some optimism that he might be able to play on Thursday, but I doubt it. Meanwhile, Jeremy Fowler reports that Eric Ebron is expected to miss extended time. That will bolster the stock a little bit of Pat Friermuth, who, again, was seeing a steady 7-8 targets every single game anyway. Titans placed Marcus Johnson on injured reserve and signed Golden Tate to the practice squad. Philip Lindsay was released by the Texans, and that's kind of nothing, but it does make Rex Burkhead mildly more attractive here. So if you're desperate for a running back, go ahead and consider him. Scotty Miller was activated off the injured reserve with his toe injury, and Jason Garrett was fired as the offensive coordinator by the Giants. 
the Giants were the only team since the start of 2020 who hadn't scored 30 offensive points in a game. So I'm sure, uh, you know, most Giants fans are not crying too many tears over that. All right, let's talk about some rest of season risers at Fallers. We'll go through this very quickly. At running back, let's start with some guys who are rising. They begin with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And again, when I give numbers before and after, the before is my update last Tuesday versus this Tuesday. So the first one rising is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who went from RB26 to RB20. Just basically what we wanted to see this weekend against Dallas, right? I mean, the snaps were pretty split between him and Daryl Williams, but he was far more involved from a touch capacity. He got the touchdown. He's not back to preseason value. Okay, Williams is still going to factor in, and we have seen Williams take away goal line work, and he's probably going to take away some passing downs work. But he is more of a high-end flex at this point. But if you can sell higher than that based on this most recent game, I would go ahead and do so if your trade deadline is still open. Miles Sanders moves up from RB33 to RB27. He looked Pretty good in this game, other than the, you know, fumble and some almost other fumbles. But really, Jordan Howard is injured. He's going to miss at least this game. And, you know, again, I'd probably expect him to miss a little more than that, just given that, you know, he's a veteran. And, you know, if you know immediately someone's going to be out for one week, chances are they're going to be out for a few weeks. But the Eagles should be favored in most games going forward when you look at their schedule, you know, the Giants, Washington, Jets. So he should see double-digit carries here most games going forward, and that's enough to make him a certainly a high-end flex at worst. Both Ravens running backs, Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray, move up. Freeman moves from RB38 to RB31. Pretty clear why. He just is the guy there to lead that backfield. 22 running back opportunities in this most recent game. He dominated the snaps in the second half. He scored a touchdown. The lead running back in Baltimore is not worth what it used to be, right? I mean, it's not worth what it was when J.K. Dobbins was going to be the guy or even Gus Edwards, but it is a valuable role still, a flex at least most weeks, and probably someone who'll be an occasional RB2 in the right matchup. Meanwhile, even though Murray got the short end of the stick, he still moves from RB55 to RB39. And again, part of that ranking, and really the majority of it, was the fact that we didn't know if he was going to come back from his injury last week. So don't really need to explain the fact that he moved up, but it's worth pointing out that I still do think, even though, again, he's on the wrong side of the platoon there, that he's still rosterable and a deep flex for me for most weeks. Finally, Deonta Foreman moves up from RB40 to RB33. I was excited about him last week. He disappointed. But again, I mentioned in the news portion with Adrian Peterson cut, you just have to assume he's going to get the vast majority of the carries in that backfield. And, you know, they don't have pass catchers right now, so they're going to have to run the ball, especially against New England. And New England's got a very good defense, but their pass defense is better than their run defense. So we'll have to see how that works out. And again, they have the Patriots, then a bye, so it's not all grand. So that's why he stays down at 33, but certainly more enticing than he was last week. Some running backs who are falling include Josh Jacobs, who goes from RB20 to RB28. The Raiders' offense just looks broken here, right? The defense is playing poorly. That's leading to a lot of negative game scripts. That has meant more involvement in the passing game for Jacobs, but not enough to counteract, you know, his few carries and everything he's doing with it. No touchdowns of late, none in his last three games. He's averaging just 3.7 yards per carry. You'll still start Josh Jacobs because he's the main guy on a team, and you start that guy, but there's no way you feel good about it at this point. Damian Harris falls from RB25 to RB29. This is just now basically what we see this backfield looking like, and he's basically back-to-back with Ramondre Stevenson, as he probably is going to be most weeks. If I had to roster one, it would be him. 
But it's going to be close right now to a 50-50 split, and his lack of involvement in the passing game puts a pretty high cap on what he's going to be able to do. So again, falls a little bit, still a flex, still somebody you're starting each and every week, but a little less optimistic about him than I was a week ago. Alex Collins also falls from RB30 to RB35. This is pretty obvious. I mean, he's kind of the starting running back in Seattle by default at this point, but he can't get anything going. The offense looks broken. DJ Dallas got plenty of snaps last week. They wanted to go to Rashad Penny before he got hurt. And if Penny is healthy, he'll probably take on a bigger role. So again, Collins is rosterable with Chris Carson out for the season, but he's not somebody who you're looking to start. Some wide receivers rising for me include Deontay Johnson, who moves from wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 8. The target volume is just so pretty to look at. 13 in each of his last two games, exactly 13 in four of his last five games, double-digit targets in all but two. Big Ben was looking a little better here as the season goes on. He missed that one game because of COVID, but he did look pretty good in this last one. And just compare him to some of the guys right below him, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin. I mean, Metcalf has all the issues right now with the Seattle offense with both Bucks wide receivers. I know Evans scores touchdowns all the time, but with Gronk back, with Antonio Brown sounding like he's going to come back, there's just going to be some days that that's not going to be right. And McLaurin has had question marks all year, so... I'll take the guaranteed production here that we get from Johnson and move him into strong wide receiver one consideration. DJ Moore goes from wide receiver 28 to wide receiver 19. Still have a lot of questions with Moore. 50 yards and touchdown doesn't cure all his ills, but it felt hopeless with Sam Darnold, like actually hopeless, like on the verge of falling beyond wide receiver three territory. But Cam's rushing ability at least opens up some room now in the passing game. It's not a great schedule. They've got Buffalo. They've got New Orleans still left, but... When Moore is right, you kind of just start him in every matchup. He's got that kind of talent. So there's at least hope that he can do that here, and he moves into the mid-tier to low-end wide receiver two territory. Brandon Ayuk moves from wide receiver 42 to wide receiver 31. This just continues his slow rise over the last few weeks. The last four games, he has barely left the field. He has more snaps and more routes run than Debo Samuel this past week against Jacksonville. He saw seven targets. He's been productive with them. 26 targets over his last four games, 20 receptions, two touchdowns. With George Kittle back, I mean, the targets are split pretty evenly among them, so there is room for all three guys to reduce. So Ayuk now makes a solid wide receiver three, as does Elijah Moore, who moves from wide receiver 49 to wide receiver 34. One of the worries I had about him last week was the snap count and his routes run. He was rotating in with uh, you know, Keelan Cole. He was far behind Corey Davis and Jameson Crowder. But not against the Dolphins. I mean, he was slightly behind Davis, but he, you know, was on in on more snaps and ran more routes and Crowder and Cole barely played. He's obviously been productive several games in a row. He led the Jets in targets this last game. We haven't really seen what he can do with Wilson. That's why I still have some hesitation, but they do have Houston next. So you're starting him there as basically a wide receiver three. Some wide receivers falling include Brandon Cooks, who falls from wide receiver 20 to wide receiver 27. I'm still buying low on Cooks. I mean, a 28.6% target share means he's not going to be irrelevant. There just aren't going to be many boom games from him in that offense with Terod Taylor under center. So the more I looked at it, the harder it was to keep recommending him as a wide receiver too. Schedule is not terrible. Jets, Indianapolis, Seattle, Jacksonville, he's still going to be usable, but he's more of a high-end wide receiver three that just feels more apt than ranking him as a decent wide receiver two. T. Higgins falls from wide receiver 25 to wide receiver 35. He was bad last week against the Raiders. Um, he hadn't been terrible before that, at least 62 yards receiving in the three previous games, but no touchdowns since week two. 
and now a really tough schedule upcoming for wide receivers for the Bengals. Jamar Chase is safe, but everyone else in that receiving game is dicey. Still a startable wide receiver three, but that's all. Cortland Sutton falls from wide receiver 35 to wide receiver 40. He didn't play this past week, so this is obviously not his fault. It's more just a product of the fact that guys like Brandon Ayuk and Elijah Moore are moving past him. I love Sutton's talent, but there's too much competition for targets with a quarterback that isn't built really for his skill set. So for me, he is no longer a wide receiver three, nor is Emmanuel Sanders, who falls from wide receiver 37 to wide receiver 43. His average depth of target is great. He's really being targeted down the field, but there's just no production. 27 or fewer receiving yards in three of the last four games, five targets or fewer in three of the last four games, no touchdowns in this last five games. There's just not that much to get optimistic about with really the Bills offense, but certainly not with Sanders. All right, quickly, let's talk about some tight end and quarterback risers. A tight end who's rising is Rob Gronkowski, who was tight end 20 last week. He is now tight end eight. I mean, tight end 20 obviously was based on the expectation when I did the rankings on Tuesday that he was not coming back, Um, you know, and not only did he come back, but he played well, like really well. Like you watched a couple of those you know, catches that he made and it looked like old Gronk. I'm not going too crazy with it. Just again, with Brown, you're going to have four quality options in the receiving game, not to mention Leonard Fournette. So it's a little hard to get him much past eight, but still at this point, he's a guy who you're locking in your starting lineup without question. Cam Newton also moves up from QB 18 to QB 13. He basically just looked like what we thought he might. He's got the high rushing floor. He's factoring in around the goal line. He's got enough passing yards to make it worthwhile. Bottom line is once you get past 10 at quarterback, there's a lot of uncertainty, upside, but uncertainty. But there is certainty with Cam, and that is worthwhile and someone who you can start. Some fallers at tight end include TJ Hawkinson, who falls from tight end six to tight end nine. He did bounce back from seeing zero targets in the game before, but I think the best way to sum it up is a tweet that I saw actually earlier on Tuesday from Adam Azer, who hosts the CBS podcast. Hawkinson had eight catches and a touchdown in each of his first two games. Since then, he's the tight end 17 in PPR formats, and his 16-game pace over the last nine games is 76 catches and 672 yards. That's okay for a tight end, but that's not a top five tight end. And there are options now in that range. I mean, Rob Gronkowski, we just mentioned, uh, Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox, Zach Ertz. So the gap is smaller, even if he still ranks ahead of some of those guys. Hunter Henry falls from tight end 10 to tight end 17. If Henry doesn't score a touchdown, he's not going to be valuable. And that's been my worry with him, you know, when I've considered him my rankings and whether I want to move him up all season long. A huge proclivity toward touchdowns is great, but when you definitively, without question, need them to be successful, then it's hard to rank you too high. And I finally relented, and I was reminded why that was a mistake. He is back where he belongs, a desperation tight end play. Finally, Russell Wilson falls from QB 10 to QB 14. This doesn't need too much explanation. He looks terrible, like completing half his passes, no touchdowns, terrible. We can, and we do hope it's going to get better, and that Part of this is just Russ, but that's why he's 14th and not like 25th, which is where I'd rank him based on how he's looked lately. We talked about Cam at 13th, right? So yeah, I'd take the certainty of Cam over him. It just looks really ugly right now for Wilson. And that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget to go to TickPick.com slash pros where TickPick and Zip have teamed up to give away five season ticket NFL packages for the 2022 season. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning.